Hello everyone, welcome to episode 187 of It's a Wonderful Podcast, the main show, Janine. We have some silliness this week. We do. Has it been a while since we've done a legitimately silly feeling movie? Yeah, I think we've... am I forgetting something? No, I think we've had more kind of serious, deeper things to discuss, but um, wanted to keep it kind of light, and this movie did have a uh, fun remake as well. So, uh, yeah. It has been a little while, I feel, (laughs) since a good good deja vu. Yes. I don't don't even remember the last deja vu. (laughs) I'm very bad with remembering things. Now you have me thinking about it. Um, I don't think it was that long ago. I don't think it was that long ago. Oh, 13 Ghosts, was that it? Oh, yes, it would have been. (laughs) So not not the best. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. But the movie we are talking about this week is 1966's Gambit with Michael Caine and Shirley MacLaine, or as we are referring to them as... Shemichael McCain. <laughs> I think just you are referring to them as that. <laughs> Isn't that just the best way of merging the names, though? Um, I suppose. I just like you Kane can't just merge the, You can't <laughs> just merge the, the, the last name, because then it's just McLean. Or so McCain. To, or McCain. But then... Well, I don't know. I'm going insane. (laughs) That rhymes. (laughs) Kane and McLean, I'm going insane. I'm going insane for Kane and McLean anyway. (laughs) Whether we are going insane for Kane and McLean or not. Why did you pick this movie, Janine? Aside from the fact that you saw it had a nice deja vu, which we of course know you always love to do. Yes, I mean, I did want to do something kind of more light and fun. Um, And I have this list I kind of go through of movies, like classic films with modern remakes, if I am kind of feeling like I want to do a deja vu. Um, And I came across this one, I looked at it, and just kind of looking at the cast, I haven't really seen too much of um, work from young Shirley MacLaine and young Michael Caine. So I thought that would be fun. and then when I saw the remake and who was in that, that got me kind of even more interested. So definitely was looking for something more fun. And the cast kind of had me intrigued for a fun kind of heist romantic movie um, yeah. vibe. So, And that's exactly what we got, wasn't it? It was a romancy heist movie. Yes. At times it felt like a little bit like a Bond movie. For positive and negative reasons, I suppose, in 1966. But we'll get into all that, because there is something we have to do first. And that is, of course, say a big thank you to all our wonderful patrons of It's a Wonderful Podcast. As we do on an episode of the show every single week. Because it's the least they deserve is a nice shout out to say thank you, we love you. If you would like to join... The It's a Wonderful Podcast Patreon. Just go on to Patreon, type in It's a Wonderful Podcast, find the tier that is right for you, whole bunch of fun stuff that we have going on on Patreon. Bonus stuff, extra stuff, fun stuff. It's all good. But everybody gets a nice thank you every single week. So thank you, of course, to Maxwell Haddad. Thank you, Amber Coates. Thank you to Abby Friel. Thank you, Ferris Muthana. Thank you to 90s Comics Box, Janine's brother Justin. Thank you, Video Drew. Thank you to Adelaide. Thank you, Christina Farrow. Thank you, Heather Sabian. Thank you, Megan McCurley, a.k.a. Dr. Megs. Thank you, Marcus Burton. Thank you, Movie Fanobi Steve. Thank you, Samia Tezfai. Thank you, Patrick Harden. Thank you, Carla Fees. Thank you, Delisha Butler. Thank you to Gigi. Thank you to the great Ken Napsock. Thank you to Tom and Kimber of the Odd Shake Channel. And thank you to Billy Paulahan. Yes. Ooh, applause Yay. for the patrons. 
Janine, Morgan. considering <laughs> you were perhaps somewhat unfamiliar with a young Michael Caine, had you had you ever seen a movie with young younger Michael Caine in, or was he always a wrinkled, slightly aging man? Um. Yeah, thinking back, I don't really think I've seen any young Michael Caine stuff. I've never seen The Italian Job, or um, that's all I can so think of right now. <laughs> that's a, I mean, that's a fair reason that that's all you can think of. It is probably his most famous movie from when he was younger. But you've got things like Alfie. Oh, yes, um, which we could do on the like, show. It does have a remake. <laughs> uh, the Ipcris File. You've got that as well. It's all it all tends to be crime based movies. Really. Yeah. Whether it's a more gritty gangster type like Alfie. Or I suppose Alfie's a bit Alfie's quite gritty. More of it's... a playboy kind of story. Yeah. Or a silly caper type movie like the Italian job or like this movie. Which feels very much like that. But he's a totally different actor when he's younger compared to when he's older. You've we seem to view Michael Caine now as a figure of grandfatherly quality. Mentor type kind of yeah. He couldn't be further from seeming like he would grow up into that. Yeah. When he was younger. He's like he's a you know, he's a he's a bad boy kind of actor. He's a criminal kind of actor. A gangster kind of actor. Yeah. You think you think of him like a British De Niro. You can think of him like that if you want to. Yeah, if you look at his movies. younger filmography, yeah. Yeah. In terms of the movies he would do when he was younger. But De Niro hasn't necessarily grown up into being a grandfatherly type figure. As much as he has grown up into being an intimidating older presence. You don't necessarily go to Robert De Niro for a warming presence. I mean, yes, he's done things like that, but it's not very typical. It's more of the kind of gruff, rough grandpa kind of character if anything i don't know if they're even a fair comparison to be honest maybe maybe the simple fact that michael kane is british despite the fact he's cockney and cockney maybe doesn't invoke warmth as much as it invokes cheekiness yeah more tough as but, well yeah and, and toughness but maybe it's the simple fact that Michael Caine is British that he seems more grandfatherly than a New Yorker. Yeah, you know? I, I get that. I really don't know. I really don't know. But and what I... did you think of him then? What did you think of him in his younger days? Um, I liked him. I thought he was uh, very slick. Um, and then, like, you know, he's slick kind of for a big chunk of the movie. And then... At a certain point, he that cockney kind of comes out, and that um, kind of every man type kind of comes out. So he's he's kind of playing suave and sophisticated up to a point, and then I liked kind of seeing him um, get kind of you know that cockney realness, like kind of reveal itself at a certain point in the movie. That was kind of fun. Well, I always like making note of the change in Michael Caine's voice throughout the years. Because he, he obviously, when he started his career in the 60s, or just before the 60s, I think, he was obviously a much faster talking man with a lighter tone of voice and very cockney. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's not necessarily playing a cockney all the time in this movie, like you said, but... It's totally different voice to what he has had in his later movies where everything's very nasally and at the back of the throat. Yeah. Which it doesn't make sense because that's two separate ways of speaking. But you know what I mean. You understand yes. what Michael Caine speaks like now. Everything's a bit broken 
and yeah. everything's a bit. Yeah, there seems there seems always something blocking his voice. <laughs> Very I mean, throaty. How... Yes, mm-hmm. it's not like that in the sixties <laughs> with him. He's very assured in the way he speaks. This is not an episode about the way Michael Caine speaks. This is simply <laughs> trying to display the differences in young Michael Caine to old Michael Caine. Yeah, so I was definitely kind of looking at that in this movie because it wasn't something I was super familiar with and, you know, how I know him. Um, it's kind of also doing the show is kind of fun to see actors you've maybe only seen in one way for so long and then to kind of see the younger version and to kind of discover that uh, is kind of a fun thing, so... I mean, did you get that with Shirley MacLaine as well? I mean, you've seen The Apartment. So. Yeah, so that was kind of the only thing I had seen of her, of young Shirley MacLaine. So, um, yeah, definitely nice to kind of see her. I think she always still kind of plays a character like that, who's very um, kind of has a lot to say and very kind of self-assured and, um, you know, speaks her mind type character yeah so um you know that wasn't kind of a new thing it was just um more just seeing her younger really because she kind of plays similar characters and things she doesn't really veer off of um a path of 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 kind of what she does not to say that like she doesn't have any range um but like the first time I think I saw her in anything, you know, growing up was Steel Magnolias, where she was playing like this crotchety old lady, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, so well, you, you can say that but we've ju- and we've just talked about Michael Caine. And it's not to say that, you know, these people don't have any range, but d- does Michael Caine have much range? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not really. Not really. He just develops as an actor, just like Shirley MacLaine did. Yeah. You just find what you're good at. You can play on what you're good at for as long as you possibly can. That's surely an actor's goal. Yes. And yes, try new things, of course. But I think they work quite well together in this movie. Yeah, I thought the chemistry she, was really fun. Um, the fact that she just <laughs> didn't necessarily put together. No. At first thought. Maybe because this movie, I suppose, is a is a weird mix of British and American. But I wasn't sure, like, either how they were going to play off each other because um, we did discuss this previously that, like, the um, the uh, progression of the story is kind of weird how they tell it. Um, you know, it we open <laughs> a strangely structured movie. Yes. Um, so like for the first, I don't know, 30 minutes, we're going through him meeting Shirley MacLaine, making her this proposition, going to meet this guy. And like, you, you're seeing kind of like the process of this heist that he has planned and he's kind of using her in that, in that plan. Um, and the whole time she's silent, we don't hear her speak. So I'm like, what is going on here? Like, why is she not talking? Only for us to rewind back to the beginning and then we see kind of her side of events and see her responses to the things that we just saw where she wasn't saying anything. Um. Yeah, it's almost <laughs> like it's almost like the first half an hour. And it's weird that it does that. It's really un- strange yeah. that it does this. It's, it, it almost feels like why have you even bothered doing this? You've just done this to pad out the runtime. Well, yeah, it's like, you know, it's like a Pulp Fiction kind of thing where the story is tell- told out of order um, in random spots and then they kind of come together at a certain point. So I can yes. see what they were going for, but usually that's done a lot quicker. Like you kind of see the progression of something, you get to a certain point and then you get you get into the story from the beginning or whatever like um you know we recently talked about jennifer's body how that kind of started at the point we see at the end of the movie we see a clip quick of that a little like voiceover we see kind of where our character is now and then we go back to the beginning and it's very kind of like first maybe five minutes this was like a whole like the first half of the movie so when it went back to the beginning when he met her i had to like pause for a minute and be like wait uh is this a new scene or are we we're back at the beginning like we're seeing it from another side now it took me a minute to kind of realize that that's what they were doing because they had taken so much time for that first like 30 minutes to show kind of how this heist went down 
So it was yeah. really weird that it was so long to do that. Usually when you do something like that, I think it's always a clever thing. But the fact that it was so long amount of time, <laughs> it just felt really kind of weird. And to maybe start speaking a little bit about the remake that I feel like we should almost just pepper in some deja vu throughout yeah. this movie. Yeah, because I feel like this remake actually deserves significant comparison uh, and, and comparative discussion because I think it was very worthwhile, the remake of Gambit. Yeah. That movie <clears throat> does the same structural thing at the beginning where it plays out how, you know, our lead male would view this heist going perfectly and then switches back to what actually happens. But in the remake, it takes five ten minutes yeah and but this movie takes 30 minutes to the point where you believe that's now the movie and i remember watching gambit only a couple of days ago obviously at the time of this recording but pausing the movie to check the time on the movie because i was so confused as to why it took so long to do that minutes, 29 minutes for shirley mclean to speak Yes. And, you know, I think they try to play, you know, when you see what really happens compared to what we first saw. And they try to play that as a comedic point, which I think it would have been funnier if they did these flashes of moments with this heist of him meeting her, him, you know, telling her what she needs to do, everything going smoothly, a fancy car waiting, fancy hotel, all of these things. And then we flash back to the beginning where she's kind of calling him a crook and being kind of obnoxious and talking too much. And then there's no car waiting for them. And, you know, they can't get their room and like all these things kind of going wrong. And um, that would have, I think, played the comedy side of what they were trying to do the juxtaposition yeah. of those two kind of versions, I think that would have played better. But because we spent 30 minutes, like I was thinking that this was the plan. And then we're just going to kind of, we're rewinding back to see her side of how it went. Um, so it took me once if things weren't going like how it went in that first 30 minutes, that's when I realized that this is him just imagining how it would go, not how it actually went. So it, that it made it kind of confusing that we just sat in that whole beginning for so long. <laughs> It, it did. It did. I would have almost preferred the movie structurally if it had told that story maybe three or four times, but from each person's perspective of what was happening. Yeah, or what they wanted to happen. Yeah. <clears throat> that seems like an interesting idea. But to display how it could go perfect, I mean, I get the idea of it is that you're showing us the supposed perfect way of doing it and then you're showing us what actually happened which has obviously more kinks in it and more kind of interest yeah. to it there's a there's a there's a much better obviously back and forth because there's no fourth to michael kane's back in the first half an hour because yeah. shane mcclain doesn't speak it actually for me Sometimes starts starts the movie on a little bit of a sour note. Watching it now, maybe it's the case back then, but it dates it a little bit, which is not usually a point that I, I bring up when obviously we're talking about movies for this show, movies for the main show, because they're obviously all old movies. That's the point of them. Yeah. They, they have dated elements to them. But... I think when stuff is negatively dated, not just factually dated, like, oh, you're using a telegram or something like that. Like, I can't have any complaints that this movie from 80 years ago is using a telegram as a means of communication. communication yeah. Because what else is supposed, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I suppose attitude wise, and from from the movie's perspective, not not even from the characters or, or the story's perspective, because even that you don't view negatively because it's simply what the characters may feel. Yeah. But that first 30 minutes where Shirley MacLaine didn't speak, I thought, oh God, is, is this going to be 
Shirley MacLaine's top build in this movie. Why is she going to have five lines compared to Michael Caine speaking? Yeah, is she, is she going to be his kind of puppet? Like, is, yeah. is that what's I going on? Like here? I, I, like yeah. I don't like that. I don't like that. I don't like that. And that's what I was thinking. And then also the casual racism being thrown around by the movie of, I mean, it's, it's, it's James Bond levels of racism. Isn't yeah, it? like, are we supposed to really believe that Shirley MacLaine is someone with the with the surname of Chang? Like, I don't, I don't. <laughs> it's just a little bit off putting at know. times. You've yeah, got it's just her, her dress long. and her clothes and her and like how they do her makeup and her hair and trying to do this whole kind of geisha look with her and like this the 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 heist item the MacGuffin kind of item is this like bust of a Japanese like woman who's supposed to kind of look like Shirley MacLaine as yeah. well. <laughs> like what? <laughs> yeah, it's 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 just a, it just leaves a little bit of a sour taste in there throughout the runtime. There's good stuff in there. There's fun stuff in there. You enjoy the performances in this movie. The actual heist itself is pretty engaging, pretty fun, pretty, you know, you get into it. Yeah. But all the time, there's just this unfortunate Sean Connery, James Bond level of <laughs> cultural appropriation and racism in there. Yeah. Kind of pulled you out a little bit. It just put me off a little bit. Yeah. Herbert Lom as well in middle eastern brown face you don't need yeah Why? so you can have like this exotic uh collector to be your kind of uh your your uh victim of this uh heist crime you know uh lom is a is a czech born british man why is he playing someone from the middle east yeah <laughs> i don't I don't love. I don't love that. Yeah, and I, and look, some of my favorite actors in history have uh, played other races, shall we say, to not great effect <clears throat> and very disturbing effect. But it happened, and of course, this kind of stuff did happen. It just. It becomes more difficult to look past, Jenny. Yeah, at a certain point. Which I, you know, I, I quite, I like that I don't look past it. There was yeah, probably a time where I did and I just played it off as, as fact, but it needs to be brought up. That yeah, I think we can call it out and talk about that it does make us feel uncomfortable a little bit and doesn't matter that it probably that wasn't the best idea. It, you know, I know there's that whole product of its time kind of argument that could yeah. be made, but you know, which is fair. But it's also, you know, it was also not a great thing. So yeah, I think that's, that that's fair of us to to call attention to that thing and 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 talk about how it it made us feel. So I think that's fair. That, that's what I mean when I say it's dating. Yeah, it's the 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 way almost the way the the. The treatment of the way the movie is made is dated. Negatively. Yeah. Which is unfortunate. It is unfortunate. It's actually directed by the same guy that did the Poseidon Adventure. Which is also, I felt, a little bit weird. <laughs> because the Poseidon Adventure is such a big movie. A spectacle piece, yeah. And this is comparatively very small but ronald neem is clearly a decent director so fair play to ronald yeah neem. did ronald so, neem actually do scrooge the musical possibly i'm, I'm, I'm forgetting sure. that now anyway that's irrelevant but if ronald neem did scrooge the musical as well he's he i, I appreciate ronald neem as a director <laughs> I do. as we know that is one of your favorites so. It certainly is. We don't need we don't need to focus on we don't need to focus on whether or not he did do that movie. But ultimately strange 
casual strange. racism aside. Yes. Not and strange casual of... racism aside, but moving on from conversations <laughs> yes. about strange casual um, racism. And weird kind of 30-minute um, uh, fake opening kind of thing. Um, yes. That's we when we get into what really to... happens. Yes, we actually start to have some fun with this movie, don't we? Because Shirley MacLaine's being Shirley MacLaine now. <laughs> yes. Um, some strange ghost figure. And it's also kind of that whole um, stereotypical kind of um, combination of a British person and an American person. And the British person being just very talkative and kind of obnoxious and analyzing everything and theorizing about everything and, and talking about, oh, you know, I talked to this one, you know, psychologist. And he said that, you know, when, you know, <laughs> you, you fly, it messes up your equilibrium and all like, and he's just like, oh my gosh, shut up. <laughs> You know, so I liked kind of that whole, you know, because that I think is a great setup for those kind of love hate romances, which, you know, in my favorite movie of all time contains oh, yeah. a great love hate romance. So I think that definitely was, you know, the American British kind of stereotypical in, in its in its um depiction sometimes but I think it always plays really funny when you know you have your talkative American and your British person just being very kind of silently annoyed um so yeah I think and is this then, how you view our friendship Janine uh maybe maybe a little bit I mean I'm not an American but I am American raised for a big chunk of my life so um you know maybe, maybe at times you're just more reserved and I'm just like oh my god I know this thing happened oh my god. like so you know there were some parallels there i think a little bit um but yeah i think that definitely played to the comedy aspects which was really fun and just comparatively to the smoothness of the 30 minute kind of fake opening of her just being completely silent and that's kind of was his hope of how it was going to go working with her only to compare that to um her just like not shutting up and analyzing everything and you know telling all these stories about random people that he doesn't know and like just all of these things i get, think he does get very sick about stories about her weird teacher and aunt and, and, and yes <laughs> with her wooden toe and all of these things so yeah. um yeah like while i do think that that would have played better had that 30 minutes been you know kind of shaved down i still thought it was kind of funny just um that kind of dynamic uh and setting that up right away um so that you know when it built up to kind of more romantic feelings um it felt kind of like your typical rom-com fair which you know i'm a huge fan of so um yeah i did like that juxtaposition of of their personalities kind of clashing once we get into I think, that i think from a rom-com aspect it structured well yeah i just think from a i, I suppose from a heist movie it structured well i just think the first 30 minutes throws something off for me. Yeah. <laughs> it just throws something off for me. I really enjoyed the last hour and a quarter. <laughs> Despite the Herbert Lom pretending to be someone from the Middle East. Which, <laughs> just why? But I do genuinely enjoy that. It just left a weird thing that in 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 my brain that didn't leave for the rest of the movie and just sat at the back and just poked me just saying remember that weird start remember <laughs> yeah that? you remember kind of, that yeah so you kind of try to shake it off because you're now enjoying shirley mclean talking and their dynamic together and him trying to kind of explain what's going on to her without really telling her too much because she's just kind of a regular person who happens to look like the the deceased wife of the person that they're targeting for this heist. Um, so that's I also why you don't really think I know why they're even trying to get this ancient boss. Yeah, there's no real reason. So you just kind of maybe think he is like a career criminal, but then later they say he's never been arrested. He's never, he doesn't have a history of anything like this. So I don't know if it's more similar to the remake where, you know, well, the remake had a very distinct reason for why he was doing this, which I liked. So I think the one they, they kind of, ex they explain in this one, just maybe like he was kind of an art curator who, you know, his career kind of went down the drain. So maybe he's just needs money and that's why he's doing it. 
Um, but it wasn't really clear cut. Um, it's more, you know, gam the original Gambit is more focused on, I suppose it's more focused on just what happens as opposed to why it's happening. Yeah. And it, it's more interested in entertaining. The what and the why. Rather and the than, why. Yeah, rather than motive. Which is fair enough. I mean, you, you have to. Yeah, and I think it would have made more sense. Make, don't you? I think it would have made more sense if he was like a career kind of cat burglar type character. And so he's just kind of always trying to up his up the ante. And he did his research and found Shirley McLean, who happened to look like this woman. And that was going to be part of his old heist plan. But he doesn't really have a reason for doing it. He's not really a career criminal. He's just kind of like an art curator person who yeah. knows this guy is rich. So wants to get this bust and has this whole plan. Um, I, I've also, I also had in my head virtually all the time that I, I've just I've seen these movies before I don't mind heist movies I don't think heist movies are necessarily a big genre love of mine mm -hmm. I, I don't know why that is because they can be very good and I do certainly like some of them I don't know what necessarily it is about them because it, it seems to make sense that I would enjoy them, you know, a plan coming together and building a, perhaps a team and and the tension of it. Are they going to pull it off? Exactly. And are they going to get caught and all of these things? So, yeah, I think that played exactly, into kind you of. Have some, you have some suspense in there. Mm -hmm. I just couldn't help feeling that I'd just seen this movie better with Cary Grant. Yeah, like to catch a thief type. Isn't this just? Isn't this just a a a a less good to catch a thief? Kind of, yeah. And the fact that he is not like a career burglar, he's just this guy trying to do this sneaky plan to get some money. Like it's not. And like I think you know, I think they try to play up kind of that fun vibe of things with the guy that he's trying to steal from actually kind of on to him and knowing what's going on. So then that kind I of do. builds I do tension like that of, yeah. So they build up the tension of, is he going to get away with it? Because, you know, this guy knows what he's up to and is really watching him and Shirley McLean. So um, that added an interesting kind of fun element and a little bit of tension to, are they going to really pull this off? Um, and, and even Shirley McLean's back and forth kind of once she found out what the plan was and that they were going to steal things, she was like, I don't want to be a criminal. Do not make me a criminal. I'm not going to be a part of this, but because she has feelings for Michael Caine at this point, um, she does it for him. Um, so it was kind of like her back and forth of, is she going to help him? Is she not um, type situation? And like, does he care about her? Does he not? So there were some kind of fun elements in there that added to kind of you wondering where the story was going to go. But after kind of seeing the remake, I did miss the idea of having more of the why and having him have more of a fleshed out background and reasoning behind why yeah. he was doing it, whether it be him trying to, you know, up his last heist or, um, you know, just trying to like have that one big score or something. But his reasoning was kind of just not as fleshed out as I would have liked. So you didn't really care that much, you know? No, um, it's, it's, it's strange, really. In the remake, like you said, it's more of a, it's more revenge based in a way, yes. isn't it? The, the, yes. the motive. So it really does. It's And it's very clear on that point. It really and... does give you a good reason. And it, for me, feels more engaging in that way. While the remake may not be a, as well made, because I think certainly Gambit is a, is a well-made movie. It looks beautiful. It's obviously in very nice Technicolor and big widescreen because it's from the mid-60s. <laughs> Yeah. And is a international espionage movie for well, not espionage, but you know, crime, crimey kind of thing. Movie. Yeah. So it obviously looks a certain way, which everybody likes, which again just makes you feel like you've seen the movie better with Cary Grant. <laughs> and also, nobody plays off a talkative woman like Cary Grant does. Yes, most definitely. Nobody does. <laughs> he is absolutely the best exasperated actor 
ever. <laughs> you you never get a better one. Yeah. Nobody plays exasperation with his romantic partner like <laughs> Gary Grant does. And I Michael Caine tries to, and Michael Caine does, but he's just not on that level. Yeah, I mean, there's moments where he kind of snaps at her for talking too much, and um, even kind of a like sad moment where she thinks he sent her flowers, and she gets very excited about it, and then he just kind of bursts her bubble and tells her, oh, no, it's from the management, <laughs> like, you're a crazy person. Um, but ultimately, a, a scene I really did like was, you know, she's kind of annoying him up to this point, she's talking too much, and she's not understanding what the plan is, and she won't listen to him, and so he has to kind of like tell her, shut up and listen to me. The, do what I tell you to do and then she kind of realizes okay I need to listen um, and he thinks she's gonna like you know cock up his whole plan and mess everything up for him but when they're actually go to the meeting with um, this man that they're trying to steal this art from Shabandar. yeah Shabandar um, she's like super competent she takes control of the situation she guides it where it needs to go um, Shabandar's kind of questioning him about his school days because he has lied and said he's gone to kind of this prestigious kind of uh, school where Shabandar also went and then he starts to kind of question him Trula McLean deflects that very well um, so she kind of deflects moments where you know Michael Caine could get himself kind of caught up in a corner of his lies so she kind of you know keep Shabandar's attention on her and kind of guides the conversation really well. Um, he's talking about, you know, making wishes and like, you know, so she even guides the conversation too. Well, I wish, you know, you know, you would be more real with us and you maybe show us, you know, your life and your apartment. And, you know, so the way she kind of is very smooth and slick and guides the whole kind of situation then after the fact, you know, he's very impressed with her. Like he thought she was kind of really incompetent with just how much she was just prattling on about nonsense that he had no faith in her. So for her to kind of subvert his expectations and kind of come back and shine like that was kind of a really fun, cool little moment. It's and I think that's where his attraction for her kind of, you know, it, it becomes more than one sided on her end because she obviously kind of likes him, but he is just kind of annoyed by her up until this point when he sees how capable she actually is. In that sense, it, it's very typical rom-com almost. So it's satisfying yeah. in that way. The, ro the romance angle of this movie, I really do feel works quite well. Yeah, it did feel a little bit rushed for me that kind of all it was like this all of a sudden there's feelings there. But I think they are good enough. Movie. Yes. But like, when I have to kind of think about it and kind of make myself believe it a little bit and like say, I'm just gonna let that slide and just believe that they really have fallen in love in this short period of time because I really like them and I like their dynamic. When I kind of have to think about it like that. Yeah, it, you know, it takes a little bit away from it, like something like, you know, The Cutting Edge, my favorite movie of all time, which it has that dynamic. I, it's believable. I don't have to convince myself that, you know, OK, you know, I like them, so I'm just going to automatically believe that they're in love with each other and they fell in love instantly like this. No, like it, it felt more organic it felt built up there was some time for it to breathe and you to kind of see both sides of their feelings and it made sense where here i did kind of have to convince myself that okay you know i guess i'll just believe that they fell in love in these like two or three days or whatever because um i like them Something. and i like their i like their chemistry yeah <laughs> you mean i just think it's because figure skating is inherently more romantic than crime. i think so Yes, that's probably it. <laughs> it is probably it. It is. But yeah, I mean, should we should we get on to talking about the remake a little bit, Janine, in a deja vu? Yes. So so give us our little um, intro song. Of course. Song. Deja vu, deja vu, deja vu, deja vu. Yeah. It's a terrible Yay. song. I don't know why I've been doing it for so long. Wonderful, because it's so good. It's um. really not. <laughs> So the so, remake, I believe it's from 2012. It um, is. It's written, written by the Coen brothers. brothers. Um, weird. Why yes. is it written by the Coen brothers, but not directed by the Coen brothers? I don't know. What's going on there? I actually feel it benefits from being written by the Coen brothers, Janine, because like we said before, 
I think it makes more sense as to what's happening than the original movie. I appreciate this episode of It's a Wonderful Podcast, Janine, because we are not... We have discovered a new movie. We like elements of this movie. But there are negative aspects to how we feel about some elements of Gambit, which is somewhat rare for It's a Wonderful Podcast, because obviously we like being very positive and we like showing love. But when you're having Czech-born British people in brownface, you can't not say what's <laughs> Something about that. There. Yeah. Um, so we the do remake have... doesn't have any of that. The remake... No. 2012 just has Cameron Diaz being aggressively stereotypically Texan, which Morgan finds hilarious. Yes, her accent is a little kind of just overkill and like a little caricature esque. So I think that was probably maybe my least favorite thing about this movie. That like I think I don't. I don't think she was probably the best pick for this role. Like I don't know that I liked too much of her chemistry with um both of the leads um okay but i mean i enjoyed i enjoyed it but like i i don't know i feel like somebody else could have done a little bit better so i'm not saying i i hated her kind of them i just don't know if it was as strong as i wanted it to be i think this is one of those interesting situations Janine, where i view the 1966 gambit as a better made movie was probably a, a better movie but i actually had more fun with the remake yeah i definitely think the actually, remake was more fun but i think the chemistry between it. the leads were better in the 66 version i think that's fair i really did quite like colin firth in this one though and yes i'm not <laughs> usually one to love colin firth all that much. why is that <laughs> because i feel like sometimes and may- maybe this is me being unfair on Colin Firth. I feel like a lot of the time he is the absolute epitome of why people view British people stereotypically. You, for instance. <laughs> and in terms of how you may think I am supposed to be like. Or other <laughs> people we know who think I am supposed to be a certain way. I feel like that comes from people watching Colin Firth in movies, which I've always <laughs> held against Colin Firth. And maybe so you solely unfair. hold him responsible for the depiction of all British men. <laughs> in very stereotypical light. Well, yes, I think often. that's why I had you watch um, What a Girl Wants, so you could see that Colin Firth is more than just a snooty Mark Darcy type. <laughs> what a Girl Wants, great movie. <laughs> Aside from that, I actually did quite like him in this movie, though, even though, I mean, it's a movie of stereotypes, isn't it, really? So you kind of, you forgive it for that. If you can forgive Cameron Diaz's absurdly Texan person, you can forgive... (laughs) Texan person. Well, she is. You can forgive Colin Firth and uh, Tom Courtney's major character oh yeah which like i was surprised why didn't you just take that opportunity to cast michael kane and do like this legacy casting type thing maybe he he didn't want to yeah maybe they did ask him (laughs) 2012 and he was like not if she's gonna not if she's gonna do that accent (laughs) possibly who knows (laughs) who knows what michael kane thinks michael kane doesn't act really anymore does he no is he re- is he actually retired? I don't know. He's, I, don't I mean, think he must so. be in his late eighties, so he's he's an old man. <laughs> That's beside the point. He is an old man. He is yes. an old man. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's just a movie full of stereotypes. So you you almost forgive what if if you forgive one stereotype, you have to forgive them all. And thankfully, there's no. I mean. No, I don't think there's any casual racism in this movie. Is there? There's Japanese characters, but I don't think they are. I think there's there's a story element to them that's kind of tricksy. Yeah. So they do not end up playing as casually racist. 
<laughs> so I appreciate that difference. Yeah. And I appreciate the fact that Alan Rickman plays the villain. However, the villain is not from the Middle East, but still no. has the same the name. Name the, the Shabandar name to connect it, I guess, to the original. Um, so yeah, there's more of a kind of vengeful motive here with Colin Firth wanting to get revenge against his just boss who treats him like shit. Um so he wants to uh, kind of trick him with this painting and steal his, you know, priceless painting. Yeah. So, so in, in um, the original movie, it was all about stealing and switching around a famous ancient bust. Yes. But in this movie, it's all about Monet painting. Yes. Which is interesting. Do we like Claude Monet paintings, Janine? Do, um, are we indifferent on Claude Monet paintings? <laughs> Do we just view them as historical paintings and that's it because we don't know that much about paintings? Yeah, so that's probably yes. it. <laughs> I'm sure I I've learned more about it in an art history class um, in college at a certain point in time, but um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think well, the motive Rick here... Likes them. <laughs> Yes, and I think he likes to stare at them naked, apparently, as well. He does. Alan so. Rickman's naked too often in this movie, for some reason. He also obviously plays people who are cruel to everybody very, very well and, and did do for his entire career. It was kind of what he was best at. Yes. And he's just showcasing that in this movie yeah. as well. Despite the fact it may not be the most polished movie of all time, the most interestingly made or smartly produced movie of all time. The elements it has in there, the actors it has in there, creates the fun, creates the enjoyment of it. Yeah. The and story I, I... is is interesting enough and while it's not as subtle and as kind of, I suppose, intricate as the original, you actually get clear reasons why it's taking place, which you don't get in the original. But that is, again, just story decisions. Yeah. So I appreciated the remake for that. And as I said, legitimately probably enjoyed watching it more than I enjoyed watching the original, which is obviously very rare for a Deja Vu movie. Yes, we never typically like the remake because there's always kind of a weird kind of padding that happens. They just throw a bunch of shit in there that feels unnecessary and unneeded um, to kind of make the runtime longer or to showcase your flashy new actors that you have in it or whatever. Um, and that but is I think... a really big point. Because the remake is actually shorter. <laughs> yes. So it is more streamlined. I think the the um, the storytelling aspect is, is a lot more uh, streamlined and, and uh, makes more sense. Um, so definitely a plus for that movie for that um, compared to the 66 version, which, yeah, just had that weird 30 minutes that we were just both like, um, <laughs> huh. What else do we like about this remake? There, I mean, did you? I, I don't think maybe you liked this remake as much as I did, which is unusual as well. Yeah, I mean, I I did enjoy it. Um, I and I do think I did like it better than the original. I think I just kind of, you know, the rom com in me didn't really get a lot of that with the remake. Like, I think the romantic side of the Colin Firth. Um, Cameron Diaz relationship because the chemistry wasn't as strong they didn't really play that up it felt more like a platonic friendship as opposed to like a romantic thing so that was I kind of a bummer true. for me because I you know I wanted to see the romance because it was such a big part of the the 66 so because I really loved that romance aspect what kind of bummed me out a little bit about the remake was because they didn't play up the romance as somebody who loves that element in in movies like this um so yeah that yeah. was a little bit of a letdown so i think that's maybe why i'm not as excited about this remake maybe as you are because yeah it just let me down a little bit with that romance aspect and i really loved the romance aspect in the 66 version the fact that you know 
she was just very frustrated with him. She didn't want to be a part of a crime, but because she loved him, she kind of went for it, did it. Um, she goes to kind of warn him only to have to be the one to to break into like kind of this cage of where the bust is. And she does kind of this very cool um, slinky um, uh, tense scene, almost, you know, like a Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible, which you haven't seen, but I'm sure you know the scene, you know, type. Obviously, I know the scene. <laughs> yes. Um, so that kind of like tension happening where she almost knocks it over and there's sensors everywhere and all of that. So um, the fact that she was willing to do that for him um, and then him kind of willing to stay behind to get her out. And um, so that was kind of where they're, feelings for each other felt more believable and even to that end where he kind of reveals his whole big plan and she kind of tells him off that she you know will not be with him if he's a criminal and so he quickly is like you're right I you're you mean more to me than this and he you know plants this like amazing kiss on her which is just like so romantic and like sweeping and like oh my gosh so sweet um you know so like I wanted that and I was I just, missing that a little bit from the remake I think that's fair. I think that's totally fair. And I did like the romance in the original. I just think there's something inherently unromantic about Michael Caine for me that just keeps me from that, from feeling like you did about it. <laughs> well, I think it's like, I think he had the a bit of the uh, Rex Harrison effect for me. Like, I oh, saw God, Rex Harrison. No, it's nothing like that. Uh, no, uh, uh, no, it's... Okay, no. Rex Harrison's so much more romantically okay. focused than Okay, I'm Kane's. telling you, but just the effect in the way of, I, as soon as I watched My Fair Lady, I ranted to you about how Rex Harrison was so not sexy at all. You did. Why was it you him? Yes, and he was he was the worst pick for this role. He was not sexy. He didn't sing. Like I don't see him as a romantic lead, uh, uh, you know, across from um, Audrey Hepburn. Like, ew, no. My and then watch that's exactly what he was supposed to be like. Yes. Well, he, he, he just wasn't I did he just had did not have me attract. I was wanting a Christopher Plummer uh, sound of music yes. level of, yes. you know, charm and and sex appeal to, you know, a, a Julie Andrews like that kind of. And that's what I was expecting from my fair lady because I hadn't even seen it. And the fact that I was just not attracted to him personality-wise, anything-wise, you know, looks wise all of those things was just ugh, it just had me frustrated that whole movie then for us to go to the ghost and mrs mirror and see a very much younger rex harrison um being very attractive like i was like okay okay sir you you're a very you know you're doing something um so I that's kind of you like <laughs> captains more than you like professors perhaps maybe that's what it is so to see michael kane in this movie a very much younger michael kane um i was like okay michael kane you're kind of attractive here like i was i found myself kind of her gushing over him a little bit had me kind of seeing the attraction and i was i, I found myself a little bit attracted to him and the fact that he kind of was willing to give things up for her and all of these you know so i found myself really finding him attractive in this movie so for you to kind of say like nah i'm just like i don't, I don't well, maybe <laughs> also my inherent being from the north looks in scorn at cockney people <laughs> wow and this is not a personal choice this is just born within me to just it is it's it's unnecessary discrimination <clears throat> And it shouldn't exist. <laughs> However, the North hates the South and the South hates the North in Britain, as I'm sure it does in the US, Janine. Yes, I'm this sure. is just a fact. It's just a fact of the <laughs> yeah. matter. This yeah. is what happens. I it's think not a race thing. Every it's country just or the North and South just don't like yeah. it. <laughs> it's just a normal thing. It's not necessarily gonna cause any problems. <laughs> it's just a Oh, you're f not from the north. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> um, so... I over-exaggerate that, obviously. <laughs> yes, obviously. But, um, but... I, do like my, I do like Michael Caine in it. I just... And look, Colin first the most southern person in the world as well, isn't he? But for some reason, I buy Colin Firth as a romance more. 
And I do like seeing silly Colin Firth because he is kind of yeah. seen as this stodgy, like uptight British man. Um, so when stodgy. he does <laughs> stodgy Firth, <laughs> yes. he is again being stodgy. Yes. Um, I mean, because like the first thing I really like knew him from was, you know, uh, Bridget Jones Diary. And then from okay. there, I saw other things he did. So, yeah, just very uptight British man. I think he definitely had that stereotype so when he is kind of being silly and walking on the ledge of a building with no pants on (laughs) and everything's kind of going wrong i love seeing that from him um and that's why people like the kingsman yes um just seeing that different side of him um so in the in the remake he does actually kind of go through with the with the heist um and is very kind of slick and smooth about it and his whole plan goes to goes to plan um whereas in the uh original film he decides to give that up for love so did you kind of like that change in the endings just based off of how it was going because since the romance wasn't kind of the biggest plot point in the remake i think it's fair that they just kind of made him get away with what he got away with and kind of end with a nice friendship with Cameron Diaz as opposed to the original. Well, I feel like the endings of both movies make sense for their individual movies. Yeah. You know, there's, there's nothing strange about either of the, the way the movie ends or the way the movie comes together. I just, with the remake, I just felt more reason behind what was going on. And whether whether you need that or not, maybe, you know, maybe the movies just caught me on a particular day when I was feeling like I needed reason for things. Yeah. You know, I, I really couldn't tell you that necessarily. Or maybe simply was that it was just I really preferred Alan Rickman as a villainist. Yeah. As, as an antagonist <clears throat> of this movie. And Herbert Lom's a good actor. Herbert Lom's a great actor. Been great in many things. But the brown face is an issue. Yeah, As like I wanted to him. like him more. The fact that he was very smart and kind of on to Michael Caine and really right from the start knew what was going on. So you were really like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen here? He knows yeah. everything. Um, and then just kind of how it was very easily kind of wrapped up. Um, and the fact that he wasn't really that menacing of a villain. Um, no, he's more, you almost feel bad for him. Yeah. You almost feel like, he's, why Why do you have to come and steal his thing that he likes Yeah, so I liked that Alan Rickman was set up as more of just kind of this jerk. So you want to see him kind of get his comeuppance. Yeah. It's almost like a, um, like a Andy Garcia in, in Ocean's Eleven. Like he's a jerk. So you want to see him lose everything, you know. With this guy, he lost his wife. And this bust was like um, uh, uh, his prized possession partly yeah. because it looked like her and all of these things. And he's really very smart. Sad. And yeah, so the fact that, <laughs> you know, and the fact that, you know, he's talking about how he puts up out this eccentric personality because he doesn't feel like he can be himself in the public eye. So it makes him feel like a sadder person. So when you're trying to steal from him, ultimately, that wasn't the ultimate plan. I liked kind of the twist of the ultimate plan. Yeah. Um, obviously, because, you know, he is not that terrible of a person. But no. that buildup of making him feel like this kind of villain and then to just subvert that kind of so quickly just felt a little weird. I got kind of what they were going for, but um, I liked that Alan Rickman's was wholly just kind of like, yeah, he's not a great person. So we're not really going to care. We're going to have fun with like messing with him, you know? Yeah. I, su- I suppose in a straightforward, fairly unintelligent kind of way, it's just, we don't like the bad person. <laughs> Yes, but this Which our bird our bad person easy, wasn't a bad person in '66. Yeah, no, 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 it wasn't. Yeah. So yeah, I mean that's that's Gambit. Yeah, I suppose, <laughs> and that's the remake of Gambit. Watch the remake for Alan Rickman because yeah, God, like I just missed him so much watching it. Yeah. <laughs> what a treat he always was in any movie he was in. And if you want to see his butt, change. yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> If you're into seeing nude Alan Rickman, you'll also be in for a treat. I mean, that's not necessarily something people probably want to see. 
You'd be but surprised. Still, he, he's there. <laughs> would you? Would you be surprised? I mean, I've seen. I, I found myself on Alan Rickman TikTok for a little bit, where people were kind of like talking about his sex appeal and things. Um. So right. I. I don't know. I. <laughs> okay then. <laughs> so that is a thing. In in some well, in some enough. cases, yeah. Not now. I would hope that's. You really have to look at yourself if you're viewing Alan. I know this is mean and people don't like to talk about Alan Rickman's not being alive. But if you find present Alan Rickman attractive, you have problems, as unfortunately, he's a skeleton. And that's okay. just a fact. It's just a fact. He's not alive. You can't. You can't have attractions with dead people. Janine, He's, just He's just skinny. He's just skinny. He's just skinny. What a weird way to end the show. <laughs> anyway, Gambit, episode 187 yes. of It's a Wonderful <laughs> Podcast. Heist movies. Lovely movie. Yeah. For the most part. Some dodgy elements in it, sure, but, you know, if you watch most well, now I'm thinking... Bond movies, you're going to be fine watching this one. Well, now I'm thinking we need to watch Alfie so that you can maybe see if no, Michael Caine has some has, has some time. sex appeal for you since he's just Alfie. out here hitting on all the ladies. It's the <laughs> movie of all time. It just grates on my mind. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh, there's something deep within me that I need to get out. I think so. And it's not it's some discrimination sort of... here. It's just intense. <laughs> it's funny. It's Slightly, funny. yes. Um, so yes. Perhaps though. Yeah, perhaps but, if you yeah. if you want to watch more young Michael Cade movies. And we get a Jude Law remake, so that's not, not a bad that's thing. That's true. It's true, it does have a remake. But yes, mm -hmm. there we go for another episode of the main show. It's a wonderful podcast. As I've said, episode 187, we have been talking Gambit, 1966, and it's 2012 remake. Sheila McLean, Michael Caine, Shamichael McCain, <coughs> Colin Firth, and Cameron and Diaz, McLean. and Alan Rickman Yay. in the remake there. Janine. It's a wonderful podcast. This show, the main show, is not the only show you can find on this podcast feed, though, is it? It is not. We have Machine Mondays every Monday with me, Janine the Machine, talking all things Schmodown. We have come to the end of the year, but we will be doing some fun, spectacular chat coming up. So stay tuned for that big end of year event in December. Um, and then, of course, we have Morgan Hasn't Seen every Wednesday, where I force Morgan to watch things he hasn't seen. We just concluded our four decades of horror, where we each week we talked a 70s movie, a 80s movie, a 90s horror movie, and closed out with a 2000s movie with Jennifer's Body. So check out this past Wednesday's episode where we talk Jennifer's Body for our four decades of horror series on the show. Yes, every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we have you covered here on the It's a Wonderful Podcast feed. Of course, this show is where we discover old movies. We celebrate old movies. We show a lot of love, generally. To old movies because they deserve it. They Don't do. Don't forget about them. Just especially you, Mike Kalinowski. Especially Mike Kalinowski. Hi, Mike. How are you doing today? Anyway, what am I talking? You know, about? you know. <laughs> Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Yeah, we have you covered. Yeah, on the it's a wonderful podcast feed. You can find us on Anchor, Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast, Castbox, Amazon Music and all the other places as well. We have the YouTube channel. It's a wonderful podcast on YouTube. Subscribe there. Do your notification bell things there to see all the fun stuff we put out on the channel. I've already spoken about the Patreon before. You can find the show on Twitter at It's a Wonderful One. Find me on Twitter at the Purple Dawn with a three instead of the E in the because, Janine. Three is the magic number. On Instagram at simply the purple dawn. All your glorious stuff is where 
You can find me at Janine Debean underscore on Twitter, Janine Debean on Instagram. If you want to get any merch for any of our shows, you can find all of that at my T public shop at G9 Design. Uh, and if you want to buy any of my art prints, you can find that at my shop, G9Design.BigCartel.com. Well, there we go. Janine, definitely Cockney accent. Oh, please, no. Now. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I hate when you do this. You know, I was going to ask it. I know, I should have mentally preparing myself. I can't do a good Cockney accent. Of course you can. Oh, it's going to come out like a leprechaun or something weird. Do the dude, <coughs> do the dude from Pirates of the Caribbean or Oliver Twist. God. Um. <laughs> three. Two. One. <laughs> Bye. Bye. And now you see why I don't like the accent. <laughs>